So I want to speak this morning on brokenness. And how that came about was that uh, I think I preached two weeks ago and then I went into my office on the Monday morning and I thought, God, what am I going to preach? Uh, as you've got older, I find you've got to get your messages earlier. Before, when you're younger and you're in the, you always just got them uh, a few days before. And I was just praying and I, God, um, I, I just got led to this card that was given to me a few months ago by the chairman in our, and his wife on the block of units where I live. And they understood what I'd gone through in the past few years, both uh, with the work I had and uh, with my physical condition, with, with the collapse of my hip. And I'm not even going to go there, what I've gone through. But they understood that, and what they've written in there is quite beautiful. But what this uh, card they gave me is on uh, this Japanese art, which they call kintsugi. And that is that there, and rather than throw away the pottery... Uh, this started over 500 years ago. The Japanese would, they developed a way where they got the, the lacquer they acquired from trees and they were able to mend broken pottery and then put gold dust on the cracks and it became much more beautiful and more valuable than what it was in its original piece. And I couldn't help but think, you know, that's exactly what happens to us. We can be broken through circumstances or different situation. It could be because of a life of sin or whatever it's been. But when we come to the Lord Jesus, he can repair us and make something beautiful out of us. What is Isaiah 61 says, there's an exchange of ashes for his beauty. And there's a song that incorporates that. And that's exactly what God does to us. Uh, he makes something valuable out of us. And he uses brokenness, but in the end, we're much more valuable and more useful. Lord, I just pray this morning, as we look at brokenness, that you'll guide us and direct us. And I pray, God, as we look at a difficult subject, that you can speak to each one of us. And maybe help those that are going through difficult situations and understand that God is at work in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Last Sunday evening, going home from the service, I turned on the radio and um, the vision radio and David Jeremiah, a great speaker, and he was speaking on the dark night of the soul on Psalm 71. And he said that it's not popular to preach on what I'm speaking on this morning. Uh, because today, to be popular, you've got to speak on positive messages. That's what people want. But sadly, we all go through brokenness. We all go through difficult situations in our lives. And he just encouraged, as he was sharing uh, the difficulties that he'd gone through in life, and um, it was quite interesting, if I can just go quickly, his story, in the sense that he, he came to know the Lord at a young age, went into ministry, and he said, I never thought, I thought God would exempt me from going through trials and troubles because of knowing him at a young age and going away. Well, everything but. <laughs> and he said, it's, we need a, a theology on, um, on brokenness and hurt and problems uh, and not just a theology on uh, being positive all the times. So I hope you can 
get something, glean something from what I'm sharing this morning. And I want to start by using the life of the example of Joseph. He's probably one of the greatest uh, uh, characters in the Bible that I hold in high esteem. And the whole story of Joseph can be found in Genesis 37 to 50. And it's a story of um, Joseph's sufferings and injustice that occurred to him in an evil and an unjust world. And the ultimate triumph at the end of that, that it was all in God's purpose and for a reason. Joseph originally was gifted, much favoured by his father Jacob over his brothers. In fact, his brothers were bits of scoundrels. Fortunately, they changed later in life and a lot of that was to deal with the, the way that Joseph dealt with them. They'd picked up the traits of their father, Jacob, before Jacob had a major encounter with God. Um, Jacob had had an encounter with God, but there was no in-depth in his life until he had that major uh, encounter where he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And he changed after that, but already his previous sons had picked up all his bad traits. So just quickly looking at Joseph, he had strong godly convictions from a very young age. He had a relationship with God. He was despised by his older brothers. He was sold into slave, uh, sold to slave traders. He was lied about by his brothers to his father, what had happened to him. And then he was blatantly lied about and falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He was put into jail by his boss, who he had faithfully worked for. And he had worked for that for Potiphar and made his household rich, put into jail. Forgotten by his ex-prison, ex-prison friend, the cupbearer, for two full years. And yet interesting, at the end of, or years later, this is what he said to his brothers in Genesis 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the savings of many lives. I just think of, you know, such horrendous hardships he went through and the many years of being in prison, and yet he could say that. And that's because he could still see God was, had his hand on his life through the difficult trials and tribulations he went through. Even though he was removed from his home, stretched, suffered and broken, rather than choose bitterness and resentment, he chose forgiveness and he could see God's hand on his life. In all those trials and hardship, what happened to Joseph, he went from pride to humility. He learned to serve and be faithful in the darkest places under the most difficult circumstances. It's often been said how true character is shown in what we do when nobody else is looking. What are we really like behind the scenes? That's, that's the true us, not what we say, not what we do up here. It's what we are behind the scenes. He was tested, he was tried, and he passed, he was, uh, was, was passed by being faithful. Under extreme difficulties, he was able to hear from God. And it's interesting that because he looked to God in those real difficult situations that he was in, in the dungeon, he could still hear from God. In whatever situation, he still heard from God. 
And as we look in the book of Jeremiah, we find Jeremiah, the prophet, who probably went through some of the most hardest situations in, of any prophet. And yet, in those difficult situations, because he looked to God, he heard from God, and he was able to give the word of God. Joseph learned patience, and he learned that patience in bringing his brothers to forgiveness and to change their characters. He became equipped and skilled in leadership. In the jail, his leadership rose. In fact, he was so good at looking after the other prisoners, it, the Bible says that the head jailer didn't even check on him. He trusted him. And it's amazing. When you think about the type of work he would have had to do, it, some of it would have been probably horrible work, cleaning and... Um, because there's no sewage systems back and then, you're just in a dungeon, but he was head over many of the prisoners and did that faithfully. And as a result, he was then able to handle rightfully a true place of power, which came to him later in his life. Psalms 105, 17 to 19, gives the answer. It says, And God sent a man before them named Joseph, sold as a slave, they bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons till what Joseph had foretold came to pass till the word of the Lord was proved him true. Those dreams that he had as a young boy, they were from God and they came to pass. He became a leader, second in charge of all of Egypt. You know, brokenness is used by God. In Joseph's life, we see it produced humility. It produced a contrite heart. Brokenness helps, keeps us in a right relationship with God. That's a good thing about brokenness. It just keeps us dependent upon God. But it also keeps us, gets us back on track when we're failed. It causes us to have that deeper dependency and we want to walk closer with God. Brokenness breaks down a wrong, controlling, manipulative spirit. And we can all have that because it's one of the works of the flesh. And brokenness breaks that down. Brokenness breaks down the works of the flesh in our life. It breaks down the wrong need to impress. I have no problem with people, the music team this morning. I felt they were brilliant. Just the, the sense of God's presence. And of course they want to do well. They didn't come out last Wednesday night and they haven't practiced not to want to do well. And I don't prepare these messages and just want them to go over like a lead balloon. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do something and do it well, but it's doing it with a dependency upon God, knowing that we can't do it without his help. And some of the stuff I'm going to share later, that'll come out even better. You know, in brokenness, you find a new freedom. Because when you become dependent upon God, there's a totally new freedom that you experience. It's hard to understand that. It's hard for the world to understand that. Brokenness causes us to want to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh in Galatians 5. We're able to be moulded and remoulded like clay by the master potter. We need to be constantly remoulded because we're, we've got foreign particles in this lump of clay 
and we have to be remolded and molded. The writer and speaker Nancy Lee DeMoss wrote, brokenness is the shattering of our self-will so that the life in the spirit, the fragrance, the life of Jesus may be released through us. That's up before you, but let's read it again. Brokenness is the shattering of our self-will so that the life in the spirit, the fragrance, the life of Jesus may be released through us. There's a freedom when you're guided by the Holy Spirit. I wonder if I can use the illustration. I was brought up on a farm where I've often been giving illustrations as I've been filling in here of the farm. But we had a couple of horses. In fact, we had many horses at different times. My father even used to breed racehorses. But two of the stock horses that I absolutely love. One was the first one we called Bilko was a grey quarter horse. And what made it so good and so valuable? It was broken in well. And as a result of that, can I just point out that um, when a horse is broken in well, that they become more valuable and they love what they're doing. Uh, those, if you've been brought up with horses, brought up on a farm, you would understand what I'm saying. Uh, horses, when they're trained for something, they love it. And this horse, uh, one of its natural ability was to be able to turn so sharp. In fact, if you weren't hanging onto that horse properly when it turned, the horse would go that way and you would go that way. But when you drove cattle, it absolutely was wrapped in that. It, it enjoyed it even more than I did. And it used to love it when one of the cattle or the cows broke away. Now you might think, why would it love it? Because it had this ability. It would actually want to sometimes not take off straight away if that cow broke away. You'd, you'd kick it, but as soon as you kicked the horse, it would respond. But I learned that the horse didn't like to go quickly. It wanted that cow to get a, further away so it could show its skill. And when you gave it the little tap, it would just take off. You didn't have to do a thing. You just had to hang on. And it would come in against that cow and it would lean on it. And you'd have to bring your leg in under the front of the cow so it didn't crush it. And it loved wheeling that cow all the way back into the mob. It loved it and enjoyed it. Another horse was Flossie. She, this was a pony more than a, a big horse. And it was born and bred in the Yeovil Mountains, uh, which is in central New South Wales. And it was a wild horse, extremely wild when we got it. It had just always lived in the mountains. And when we got it, broke it in, and boy, oh boy, what a great horse. And my favourite thing with that horse was, you may be surprised, I hope I don't offend anyone, was rounding up the kangaroos. Because they used to cause us a problem. They would come in onto our wheat crops and do a lot of damage uh, in plague proportions. So you would drive the kangaroo, you'd go to the scrubs and drive the kangaroos through to the other end. There were men down that end. I won't go down what they were down there for doing. Anyway, uh, if you're a farmer, you can guess what was happening. Anyway, this horse loved driving these kangaroos. 
And the moment, because it was in the scrub, that was its home. And the moment you got onto some kangaroos, the horse would want to take over. So I'd give it its freedom. All you had to do was put your head right down, wrap it around the neck of the horse so you didn't lose your head under the tree. And it would go flat out. And you all I had to do was pull it back to stop it from getting so close to them. It loved it. What am I saying? Because they were broken in, they were valuable. And when we're broken in, we become much more valuable for God. And when there's a freedom in the spirit, God still uses us for our natural gifting. And we've all got different gifts and different natural things. And God gives us a freedom in that. But yet there's still a dependency upon God. And there's such great advantages out of, you know, can I go back to the horses? The horses was no value until they were broken in. And then they became so valuable, so useful, and they love what they're doing. And there's something about when we become broken in God and God and causes that wanting to work by led by the Spirit and the freedom in the Spirit that we can experience. And then God can use us for our natural ability and natural gifts and even make us better at what we are. As I said, David Jeremiah spoke last Sunday night on Psalm 71, the dark night of the soul. And the thing that he encouraged me was what David went through. David went through some horrible things in his life, and yet he could praise God in the situation. Sometimes he complained, sometimes, and there was nothing wrong with that. He told God exactly how he felt. When, you're not, when your life's not going the right way, don't ever give up in reading the Word of God, especially the book of Psalms. And you'll relate to some of those things that David wrote. And yet in the end, he always went back to praising God. We'll come back to that in a little while. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 11, chapter 4, verse 11, it says, For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life may be revealed in our mortal body. Why do we have to go through trials and tribulations? Why do we have to go through brokenness? Because it allows Christ to shine out through our life in even a greater way. The alabaster jar of perfume had to be broken for the fragrance to do its purpose. Brokenness can come in so many different ways. And not everything that comes... It's not because we've got sin... It can be because we've got sin, but it's not necessarily that. But this is how brokenness comes. It can come through loss of any thought. It comes through accidents, sickness, work, a crisis directly or indirectly to our lives. It could be in our family, but it still affects us. It breaks us. Attacks, spiritual attacks, injustice, a cluster of difficulties, sorrow and repentance, and sometimes that comes, sorrow and repentance comes when there has been sin in our life. Just because we're going through a negative doesn't mean that there's sin. Sometimes people think that when they've gone through a negative, they're under a curse. They think it's because of the sin. I've had problems with my hip since I was a, 
a young person, I probably did sin. I, my mum told me not to get on the roof and I got on the roof and jumped off when she'd come and I've been suffering ever since. But as a young teenager, I found it hard when people sort of said, you know, one of the reasons you've got that is because there's sin in your life. That's, sorry, it's rubbish. But, and there must have been people like that in Jesus' day because in Luke 13, Jesus makes it very clear that the Galileans that were suffering in the temple uh, who many of them had been slaughtered when the Roman soldiers come in, was not because their sin was greater. And then he says about the tower that fell uh, at Siloam. He said that was 13 Galileans died. That was not because their sin was any greater. And so don't come under that negativity. That's all the time. It's because of sin. It's not necessary that. It could be, but don't come under that. When it is... Though, 2 Corinthians 7.10 makes a good answer. It says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. When there's been sin, God desires godly sorrow. And that will always lead to true repentance. Not a false repentance. Worldly sorrow is because of a proud spirit and a person thinks they're complete. Sometimes they'll do a shallow confession just so they don't get into trouble. But it's, it's not real. Uh, an independent spirit is not willing to change. But a broken spirit, a contrite spirit, wants to change. And is truly sorrow, sorry for what they've done. David is the greatest example in the word of God of true sorrow when there was sin. David messed up his life when he was in his 50s. He uh, committed adultery um, and then arranged for the husband of the lady that he committed adultery with to uh, be killed on the front line of battle. And it was wrong what he did. And yet in... Acts, after the death and resurrection of Christ, it tells us there that David had a heart after God. When I was growing up, I always found it hard to understand how could someone commit what he did, what he did, and yet the Bible still says he had a heart after God. And the reason why is because in his sin, when he was convicted, he truly, truly wanted to be right with God. There's many other things that covers that. But David had true repentance. He wasn't trying to come up with some sort of excuse. When Nathan came to him and told him uh, and used the parable of a rich guy coming to an area and uh, took the poor man's only sheep and killed it. And when he explained, Nathan explained the whole story to David, David became angry, thinking he was talking about a true story. And he wanted to, retribution, he wanted to wipe that guy out. And he asked Nathan, who is this guy that did this? And Nathan turned around the prophet and said to David, you are the man. And immediately under the conviction of God, David repented and he meant his repentance. That's why God loved him. Let's, let's read what David wrote. Psalm 51, 7 to 12. And then another couple of verses on. 
Cleanse me with hyssop, David says, and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take me or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I love that last verse because when there's sin in our lives, the joy of, the salva- of salvation is no longer there. And that's why David said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then he says in verse 16, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God, you will not despise. David's sin, that God fully forgave him, it did have quite a few consequences with his family and other situations. And David had to live a life of brokenness of different situations that went on in his life. And yet, in all those times, he learnt to trust God. He learnt to call out to God. You know, when going through difficult times, David knew how to dwell on God's goodness and faithfulness. And I just want to read... In Psalm 71, this is when he, David was old and a couple of his sons had given him a hard time and they wanted to get rid of him because they thought he was old and lost it. And David was broken before God. But this is what he said. These were all the praise things in the middle of that. He says, God, you're my rock, my fortress, you're my hope, you're my confidence, you're always, I've always relied on you, he said in one verse since I was young. I'm going to praise you. You are my strong refuge. I'm going to praise you more and more. I'm going to testify of your righteousness. I'm going to proclaim your mighty acts. God, you have done great things. You will restore me again from my troubles and bitter times. You're going to restore my honour. You're going to comfort me. I praise you for your faithfulness. I'm going to sing praises to you. I'm going to shout for joy. What an attitude. And what I want to try and inspire, that when we go through difficult times, that we can have a similar attitude. We can have a similar. The Bible tells us that God dwells with a contrite and a humble spirit. Just what does contrite mean? Some of you may be wondering. It means uh, true remorse for any wrong and wanting to fix something. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those with a crushed spirit. When you're going through a difficult time, God's close. God's there. Let's look to him. Isaiah 57, 15, the second part of it, God is speaking here. He says, I live in a high and holy place 
But I also live with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Isaiah 66, part two, verse, uh, of the second part of verse two. This is the one I esteem, God says, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Then Jesus said in Matthew 5, 5, blessed be the meek, the submissive, the contrite. That's what he's saying. Can I just bring out that brokenness is a different to a wounded spirit? Although you may often experience both can come together, but a wounded spirit is a deep inner hurt that needs healing. And sometimes it may need healing in depth. A, a wounded spirit can come from a severe rejection, a loss, injustice, or continual abuse. Or it can often come, as it did with David and other writers in the psalm, because sometimes they weren't just broken before God. They had a deep wounded spirit because of the horrible situations they went through. And the interesting thing, as I've already said, they complained. But in the end, and they put it in poetry as they wrote the psalms, but in the end of all those psalms, even where they complained and said, where are you, God? What's going on? They said, but yet I'll praise God. Yet I'm going to look to you. It's interesting that Jesus made it very clear that he reaches out in a special way to the broken, to the deep hurting people. He, he said he doesn't discard the bruised reed. That's the broken stem. He doesn't throw that away. He doesn't put out a smouldering lamp wick. And sometimes in our Christian life, we're going to be like a smouldering wick. He doesn't come along and snuff it out. He gets it fired up again. He restores it. Jesus made it very clear that he came to set the prisoner free and to heal those who were spiritually in need. You know, brokenness may come many times in our life. And if you want to work for God full time, it'll probably come a lot more. It doesn't always come from God. It's just one of the things that we live in a fallen world. We're going to go through major crisis. And I can be honest, sometimes when the song leader stands up and sings and then says, shouts out, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. Sometimes I've sat there and thought, for the first time that's been said, I haven't been able to say that. And I'm sure many of you have felt the same. Because right now, I don't feel that. But then I've had to reach out, as the psalmists have, and say it by faith and trust as a declaration of gratitude. And then I find an overwhelming presence of God. I think of some of the crises that I went through in the previous three years, and I'd have to come to the prayer meetings, and some Tuesday I had to take it. And I can honestly say this is the last place I wanted to come. And yet every time I've come when I've felt like that, I've gone home on top of the world. So sometimes it may be hard to shout back, God is good all the time, God is good. Make it a declaration of gratitude. Make it a declaration of faith. And I guarantee 
Because the Bible tells me God is close to the brokenhearted. God is close to the heart that is wounded. I've witnessed and I've pastored many people in trials and difficult situations that I don't have an answer for the tragic situation they've gone through or an explanation. But in my own personal life, no matter what I've gone through, no matter what every period of brokenness that I've, that I've had to face, as I said, even as, as I've gone through them, I haven't always been able to understand. And there have been some times of hard and painful. But in the end, when I look back, I'm thankful. I can understand. I can see that there was a purpose that God did something. Paul had an ongoing annoying thing in his life. He called it a thorn in the flesh. In 2 Corinthians, he says he pleaded for God to take it away. But God showed him that he would give him grace to carry it on. Because what had happened in Paul's life, his salvation was an abnormal salvation. He says that. And there in his experience, later, as he was seeking God, God took him to the third heavens. And he had some amazing revelations. He said he cannot even put those revelations in writing. And because of that, he said, God said, I don't want you to get proud. I don't want you to think you're better than everyone else. I'm going to keep you dependent upon me. And so Paul was able to accept that. And then he realized in his weakness, then he was strong. He was strong. One point I've missed that I just want to, I feel I should cover that was earlier on was, when you're going through trials and tribulations and difficulties, sometimes we can think that uh, rather than be like Joseph and, and, and see that there was a reason for it and accept that, we can think that we're owed something. We think that we'd be, there should be retribution. We should be uh, some sort of compensation for what we've gone through. And while ever we've got that sort of attitude, we're never going to see the hand of God. We're never going to see the true moulding that God wants to bring out in our life. Let's get back to where and finish my notes. God's grace sustained Paul and it matured him and his dependency upon God. And that's why God allows us sometimes to leaves us in brokenness. He didn't send it, but he leaves us there for a little while because he's doing something deep in our life. Jeremiah the prophet, as I've already explained, suffered beyond explanation. And he was told to learn to trust and learn from God in the midst of the circumstances. And as a result of that, Jeremiah was able to hear from God and get some of his greatest messages through those difficult times. Charles Stanley said, the Lord has one mind for you in brokenness, and that is spiritual victory. Therefore, be confident that Jesus Christ can take your weakness and turn it into strength, hope and honour. Read it again because it's such a good quote. The Lord has one mind for you in brokenness, spiritual victory. Therefore, be confident that Jesus Christ can take your weakness 
and turn it into strength, hope and honour. You know, when we humble ourselves and admit we need a saviour, we need a potter, we need a... Musicians, come forward. When we need that, that's when we really are set free. That's when we really can be something in God. In Jeremiah 18, we read that the prophet had to learn the lesson about the clay. He was told to go to the potter's house. And he went to the potter's house and he saw the potter making a, a piece of pottery. And it didn't go the way it should have gone and he had to remake it. Now I know that a piece of clay, when it's finally made into a vessel, it's, it's put through uh, the, the, the furnace and then it becomes what it is. And all illustrations fall down. But I think what God really wants us is to be constant, pliable clay. And one of the problems in most clay is there's little fragments of little line. And wherever that is, it's sometimes the, the potter can't quite make what he wants to. And he's got to remake us and remould us. Because of the world we live in, we, we get some foreign stuff into our clay. And God's got to redo that. And then also, I wonder, I retired from pastoring seven years ago. And I've been so thankful for this year. Sometimes God remolds us and makes us for a new direction. It's not that we didn't do the last job okay. It's just that God wants to remake us for something different, something new in your ministry. Maybe God's doing that in your life today. Maybe some of the reasons you're going through it. No, you're not going to leave Axis. You're going to still be part of it. <laughs> well, maybe, you know what I'm trying to say. God's opening a fresh door of ministry. Can we just worship God and say, God, come and mold us. Make us the way you want to make us. Thank you.